Welcome in, boys and girls, Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. My name is Kyle Borgannoni, and I am with my best friend, Matthew. I rock some preseason bets. Bets, how are you, dude? Dude, I love the preseason, man. Um, yeah, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it. I've been playing a lot of preseason DFS football, and uh, I feel like my mother would be equally proud and embarrassed for me if I, if I told her how much research I was putting into that. Um, looking at who the third, fourth, fifth, sixth running back is on the depth chart to win these slates. But it's been fun, man. And it's been uh, really fun to uh, have football on the TV again, which I've said last week just means football for week one is right on the corner. Dude, literally two weeks from today, we are going to be playing and setting our lineups for the DFS showdown slate for the Cowboys and the Bucks. I cannot be more excited. We're going to actually get into that game because this episode is all about showdown strategy. So for those single games, how do you approach it? How is it different than what we've talked about the last couple of weeks with cash and GPP strategies? So when we're just looking at just one game, what do we do? But yeah, you have been going full degen. You've been all about the preseason. And so I wanted to start this off, our, our podcast off by looking at the preseason. Preseason power up. You, my friend, have powered up. And this isn't a toot your own horn, but it is kind of getting into what we're talking about today. So I thought this quick question could be about preseason and a lot of people are interested. Maybe you've thrown a couple of bucks and it's just gone nowhere, but uh, I'm going to open this up a little bit to bets. That drop preseason power up is for a lot of foot claim members, their favorite drop. We didn't get to use it last year because of COVID. So yes, it is Powerline. It is from Goofy Movie and it is Mike eerily similarly doing it but because it's his favorite so preseason power up bets share some recent success you've had uh with preseason and once again this isn't to say we've mastered it but i do want to celebrate your wins because i told bets like you should tell people about this because it was a win and i think our listeners can learn something from it yeah for sure and you and i have talked a little bit about it in the last uh week or so of like, oh, we've had a little pe- bit of interest, people reaching out to us saying like, hey, are you guys going to talk about the preseason for DFS? Is it going to be in the DFS pass? And to this point, we have said, no, it's not really for us. Like, we're not putting a ton of effort into it in terms of producing content. We just have so many things on our plate. But uh, if you guys are potentially interested in that, let us know. Like, maybe next year we can make it work. We'll see. But yeah, for preseason DFS, man, it's been, uh, like I said, fun to kind of dive into it. I had a lot of success on the recent showdown slates where if you have more knowledge of who is going to play in the game, more often than not, you're going to have some success. And there was some news that broke uh, right before the 49ers game on Sunday evening against the Chargers that we weren't going to have Raheem Mostert. We weren't going to have George Kittle. And also, Trey Sermon wasn't going to play. And in the contest that I was in, I just made a ton of late swaps onto like Wayne Gallman um, and the backup running backs, you know, the the undrafted free agent um, from last year that they have on the on the roster and Trey Lance, like all these guys, it was just like, hey, who do you know is going to play and who's going to put up points? And it worked out for me. I had a ton of lineups that I was playing against that had 
George Kittle, some Raheem Mostert, some Trey Sermon. So if you follow the news and you work hard to kind of grind these showdown slates, you can have a lot of success. And I think that we can take that into this episode and talk about that uh, when we get into showdown previews, which are going to be in the DFS pass a lot this year. So I'm very excited about the recent success. Again, I don't like to like come on here and talk about, look at us, we're doing so great. But I think it does let people know that like, hey, we're, we're in this with you guys. And if you put in the work, you can win too. So hopefully you guys uh, are all on the same track as us this year. I'm, I'm very excited for what's ahead. It's a lot of the same principles too. And I think that's what we want to pull out from this, uh, the same process. So you, uh, one of those was a single entry and specifically you were playing uh, that slate and you played that San Francisco Chargers game, right? Is that the one that you yep. mostly played? Yep. And and part of that was getting information late. That's what you need in preseason. But in terms of the field size, it wasn't huge. And that's what's so fun about preseason because not everyone's into it. Uh, and I totally understand. Like, I have not watched much preseason at all. And this is my job. But there's just a there's not a ton. And so for you, you just really wanted to root for fourth string guys. Like, that's what you wanted to tie up your evening with. Hey, everyone's rooting for someone's. That's someone's son out there, man. Someone else, me and this random dude's mom are the only two cheering for the TV right now for this guy to perform. But yes, and to be honest with you, when you, when you do watch preseason, like if you play in any dynasty leagues, it does kind of open your eyes. You know, you see these guys kind of pop up as like waiver wire ads that are like super deep, or they're like you know those guys you took like a fourth round rookie pick or a third round rookie pick on that you want to see how they perform. So I tune into the preseason a little bit more. Um, that's just me. I'm just a football DJ, so you guys know that by now. I love that, though, about Dynasty. I've gotten Tony Jones Jr., who Sean Payton says right now is his number two back. We'll see where that actually is. Not so good for anybody drafted Latavius Murray. I know, bets in best ball, you were I all about... I my eyeballs and exposure of Latavius Murray. <laughs> Latavius oh, Murray. Latavius Murray, just so you know, it used to autocorrect on phones as laxatives. So uh, now just my phone's used to it. My phone's used to a lot of... NFL names that are just just <laughs> that's how it works. But that's an all timer right there for autocorrect. I know, and it's it's pretty great. But yes, if you're interested in more preseason content, that is something that you know, if there's enough people and it's worth it, uh, we'll be able to do it. It's the same thing for showdown. This episode might be a little niche for people, but every Thursday, I feel like you get to jump in on one island game. And the whole fantasy community gets to be a part of it. So I love Thursday night games. I mean, you could do the same for Sunday night or Monday night, but Thursday night is what you and I focus on and what you get to write in the DFS pass. So any plugs you want to give for Thursday night previews and uh, we'll get into the strategy in a second, but any, any plugs real quick for DFS pass. Yeah, that's the game that I write up each week in the DFS pass is the Thursday night football preview. Um, what I try to do is take an approach and we're going to talk about the strategy associated with why I take this approach of telling yourself which game scripts could go which way and here's how to play it. And and we'll talk about why you do that. But yeah, it's it's an article that I really like writing. Um, Kyle, a little peek behind the scenes here. Like you and I talked about this year, like do we find a lot of value? Our listeners don't really play a ton of showdown. Like should we even take it out? And I said, no, we are doing this article in the DFS pass because if we are going to consider ourselves as one of the top DFS podcasts, we should have that product for people. So you guys can find that there. I'll put my effort into it to hopefully when you got some money this year with that, with the picks in there. But yeah, check it out in the DFS pass part of the weekly lineup. Yes, it, it it's a struggle for us behind the scenes to figure out what content is most valuable. And just in general, in the fantasy football space, you could write about anything. You really could. You can spin your wheels saying, I want to talk about IDP, Superflex, 
dynasty contract leagues. And, you know, there's a place for that. But the problem People is, do is that? that the I do know a league that's a contract league like that. I think they're not super oh, flex, geez. but they're into it and they love it. And I bet it's super fun with your friends. It's just really hard to produce a ton of content that's just focused on that. So for us in DFS specifically, we said, hey, we have to make sure we have showdown strategy as part of that process. So that's what this episode is, kind of a peek into our process, peek into what it looks like. If you want more content like that, you can still get the Ultimate Draft Kit Plus, still the lowest it's going to be. So in just a hot second, you can buy the DFS pass on its own, but why not just get the entire deal? It includes the Dynasty Pass, which is updated all the time, and the UDK, which comes with the app, comes with the Draft Analyzer and the UDK Plus. So we think it is pretty, pretty sweet. So let's get into some showdown strategy. Steaming Hot Fantasy Tab. Woo, what a drop. It is an old, an old drop that, ah, man, I want to say 2016, 17, last time it was used on the footballers. If you're just listening to us for the first time, one of my favorite parts of getting to be editor for the footballers is just diving through really old records, really old show docs, you know, just grab a glass of wine. That's what I get to do on the weekends (laughs) and I get to find some old segments. So I get to pull them out here because they are just in a dusty, dusty archive of files. And so, yeah, steaming hot fantasy tip used to be one of our segments. Should we bring it back? Uh, just for the drop alone, I feel like we have to. Yeah, I, I'm i not exactly sure I need to go back through and see like, what, what were we thinking? What was the exact point for a five second drop that said that? But, uh, oh, well, let's talk about showdown strategy. Showdown, we're talking about one game. We're not talking about the primetime slate which uh, is also a really fun slate if you do Sunday and Monday but we're talking more about island games one game on its own and to quote our friend Marshall Mathers you only get one shot bets so you know what you have to do you, you can't miss your chance <laughs> this opportunity comes once was, in a lifetime I was waiting for you just to go right for it but you paused for oh. a second oh man that was miserable yeah one shot this is one game so um when you play single entry you literally are taking one shot at how you think the game is going to go and building a lineup around that and we'll talk about how you differentiate that in terms of what's optimal which is maybe less optimal what the field is doing all that stuff is coming in the next few minutes so go back to last week when we talked about gpps and game theory and i just want to refresh people this is a game we are playing a game it's not just who do I like on the football field? You know, we're playing against a bunch of people. And the craziest part about Showdown is a lot of lineups are going to look the exact same because the pool is so much smaller. So how do you get different? How do you approach it in cash? We're going to talk about that. But for game theory, if we're playing this game, we need to weigh the the cost benefits. Like what's the opportunity cost of not rostering the quarterback? So, you know, the quarterbacks are probably going to score the most points. They cost the most, but what happens if you just said, I'm not even going to put a quarterback in my lineup for showdown? Like there's a huge cost there because we know a lot of the points are going to flow from that. But also, how do you perceive other players playing in the game? And it's so crowded. Like it's a, it, people are thinking the same thing you are because, you know, there's 10 guys that could probably be the captain that week. And we'll talk about that more. But for us, we play on DraftKings the most. DraftKings this year will be a title sponsor of our show. So if we do give analysis, we give some of these salaries today, it's going to be more DraftKings focused. But specifically with this one, 
how do people need to approach a single game in terms of volatility? Yeah, I've I've said this a lot on our show. I feel like over the last month as we've gone through this strategy series, that football in and of itself is one of the most high variance sports that exist. Um, if it was easy just to say this is how it's going to go every week, we would all just be filthy rich playing DFS. Clearly, that's not how it goes. We get things wrong all the time. And that's because football is a fluky, weird sport. So I've been vocal that I'm a, more of a cash game player when we talk about how to build a lineup on a main slate. The opposite is true for me in showdown and it's because i want to embrace that volatility that exists in football when we talk about an entire season not a week one game we are trying to predict how one game is going to go and that is extremely difficult to do so i embrace that volatility you'll find me playing more multi-entries in this type of format whereas previously i like a lot of single entries in the main slate so i'm saying like listen i know it's tough to get this game script right and i'm going to embrace volatility as a result that is funny about you because you do play a little bit more conservative in cash in the main slate, but I think you've had a ton of success over the last year playing showdown, you know, figuring out what's your process, figuring out the roster percentages and saying, I'm going to take advantage of that. I'm going to get some leverage on the field. I'm not just going to play the quarterback every single time. So we'll talk about that in just a second when it comes to who do you play as your captain? How do you construct a lineup? But man, if anything, we need to understand that in a one game sample size, Anything could happen. Like Devontae Adams last year, you pretty much could play him every single week and he was going to hit. Like he was unreal in terms of per game basis. But every single wide receiver, including Devontae Adams, had a week where they were outside of the top 50, like completely sunk your lineup. You did not want to play them. And we just need to understand that game to game, things change. Uh, End of year totals don't help us at all. And medium projections don't really help us at all, like in one game. So it's really helpful to look at those projections and then see what is the field going to do. It's what we talked about last week. And then in one gauge sample size, say, okay, what if this is just chaos? Like what if bets Richie James is the best play this week? Do you remember that week? I do. It was a fine Thursday evening. Um, I forget if it was injury based or COVID based last year, but the 49ers had like everyone out of the lineup COVID and, COVID, okay. And there was, I forget who the chalk, like cheap wide receiver was. They were like, oh, it's probably going to be this guy. Do you remember who it was? Trent Taylor. Trent, Trent Taylor. Taylor, yes. It was Trent Taylor week. Uh, meanwhile, Richie James is just chilling there. People projected him for like two targets. He ended up dominating the slate and broke the slate as a $300 player on DraftKings that week. Just absolutely went bananas. So yes, things happen. It gets very, very weird. I'll go through a little bit later. I looked at all of the Thursday night games leading up to... Thanksgiving and that Richie James game was wild because in the captain spot, I think he was like 0.6% rostered. So like nobody was playing this guy and he went off for like 40 something points. I mean, it was ridiculous what he did, but we still need to think about correlation even in a single game. So let's not throw all of this out the window and just say, this is total chaos. We have no idea how to predict this. There is clear, you know, correlation. We brought that up in some articles. We'll have that posted on the website. If you're like, okay, I need to figure out what actually correlates well for, you know, my quarterback, what it has negative correlation and how that works. But we just have to think about this a little bit differently. But let's start off by talking about the captain. Oh, captain, my captain. So on DraftKings, whoever your captain is, you know, you have to roster a captain and five flex. Whoever that is, you have to do one and a half times their salary and they get one and a half times the points. So it's obviously a really big deal. But 
you can't just think I'm going to plug in the quarterback because they're going to get 25 points and I'll one and a half it and you know, we'll get 40 points and just call it a day. Like there's so much more at play. So we're going to walk through this position by position, starting with quarterback. But for you, how do you approach the captain position if you're going to use the quarterback? Yeah, I think the quarterback position is probably what the field uses the most. Like you said, we kind of log in, we see, okay, this is, um, you know, it's Aaron Rodgers. Like I know that he's going to get 20 points. So he's probably going to be the captain. And so if I'm playing cash games in this type of format, which I don't do a lot, but if I am, I'm willing to go at the captain as a quarterback. Like that makes sense. Like they're safe. You you know, they're not going to bust on you, but they may not have the absolute highest ceiling. So I think that's kind of where I approach it. Not saying that they can't reach their ceiling. We certainly could see Lamar Jackson go bananas for three rushing touchdowns. And certainly he would break the slate as the top scoring guy. So it can certainly happen. But I think what I'm looking at the quarterback position without even talking about captain first, I think that we should be playing a quarterback in our lineup almost every time, even if the total is like 35 points. Um, the reason is I went back and looked at the data over the last couple of seasons, last two years, and almost 90% of the winning lineups rostered at least one quarterback in the lineup somewhere. It doesn't necessarily mean they were the captain, but they were in the lineup. So I think that we should at least say, okay, I'm setting a lineup. I'm going to choose a captain or choose a, a quarterback, excuse me, and put them in my lineup somewhere. The other thing to consider is looking at game script. And we talked about this a lot over the last couple of episodes. And I want to point people back to our buddy Matt DeSorbo's article about if we're good at projecting game script. And the truth is we're not. However, we know that the favored quarterback in terms of looking at Vegas lines. So let's say, you know, we're going to talk about it here. The Bucks are favored by a touchdown against the Cowboys. Okay, the favored quarterback we know generally puts up more fantasy points than the um, than the the underdog quarterback, so to speak. So I think if you're going to play the captain quarterback, you should probably be looking more towards the favored team rather than not. No, I, I that's just, this is how it works. This is how it works with, you know, projections and lines and stuff. So you're saying let's have a quarterback in a roster, but it doesn't always have to be a captain. You, you want to make sure you have an flex. Uh, you can kind of outthink yourself, galaxy brain it, whatever you want to call it and say, I'm going to roster two defenses, We'll get to that in a second, but like, I'm pretty much going to fade defenses most of the time. Like, it's just not going to work. But with quarterback, we love guys that have rushing upside because they can get crazy bonuses. But just know, quarterback captain is going to be super popular. So for me, when I play GPPs, I, there's no chance I'm putting a quarterback in the captain spot. Like, I'm just not going to do it, especially on single entries, because I want to get so different. I understand that it's going to lose sometimes. But I just want to get so different. So I'll, I'll probably put a quarterback in my flex, but I will definitely fade. And when we preview the Dallas-Tampa Bay game, I'll give you a couple builds that I've found so far, just you know, a couple weeks out that I've said, okay, I'm picking a quarterback, but I'm going to get a little different here. So that's it for quarterback. But what, do you, what about running back? Yeah, the running back is, the RB1, I should say rather, is tied with the quarterback for the most opt-in captain over the last uh, two seasons. This is really important to take home. When the game total was below 38 points, I found looking at Fantasy Labs data. So maybe I should have made that sample size a little higher, like maybe 41, 42, something to see what the data shook out to. But the bottom line is that we want to potentially be playing more running backs as the captain when the game's game total is low. And the reason for that is like, okay, quarterbacks, we know generally we can pencil them for like 20 plus or minus five points every single week for the most part. Running backs, like if they're going to beat the the quarterback as the captain, they have to have 
a path to that. And we know that running backs will perform when their team is favored, when it's kind of that slower, grinded out type of game. And that's where the game script really matters for that. So in a high scoring total game, you know, 50, 55 points, I'm probably not going to be playing a running back as the captain. Most often, I'll probably be a quarterback or a wide receiver. When those game totals are lower, that's where I'm looking at the running back. And just as a whole, Thursday night games, you know, are maybe not the best matchups. Like if you go back through and walk through these, like there's lower totals. Some of these games, like we had a Denver and uh, New York Jets game. I mean, there's some rough games. What was it? Jaguars and Dolphins. Uh, so the matchups aren't always pristine. They're not going to be Dallas and and uh, Tampa Bay every single week. So running backs are interesting because in cash games in the main slate, they're the ones we ride. They're the ones we pay up for. And then, you know, you want to get a little different in GPPs. In showdown slates, they give you so much leverage over other stacks. You know, because if somebody's playing Tom Brady with one of those Tampa Bay wide receivers and you play Ronald Jones in the captain or, or Leonard Fournette, I don't know actually who their RB1 is, like you're creating so much more leverage over those other stacks if it hits. Last year, I looked at the first, you know, up until Thanksgiving, but the first five captains for winning lineups on Thursday nights were all running backs, which is kind of wild. It was like CEH. Nick Chubb, Melvin Gordon, James Robinson. Like it was wild to see these running backs, which were coming in rostered, you know, maybe fifth or sixth most highest in the game. They were actually not getting as much love. So running backs creates a lot of leverage over people stacking. And if you guess the right side, then you're able to just go past a ton of lineups. Do you think that's a good strategy? If you're going to put them in the captain, you're basically saying that stack's not going to hit. Yeah, that's what you're saying, right? You're telling yourself a story. If if Ronald Jones goes off, well, it's probably because, yeah, Tom Brady may have had a good game, but he probably didn't throw for four touchdowns, and two of those probably didn't go to Mike Evans, right? That's how Ronald Jones gets there. So you really need to be thinking about things that way. And again, this is where we take our hat off of like football guy, and we just say, how do we play this game? And here's the scenarios that exist. And exactly like you're saying, you're saying the stack fails. The running back won this week because he fell in the end zone twice or whatever it is. So if you're laughing when you hear the name Rojo, because Betts does not enjoy rojo very much in his life never been a rojo guy week five last year if you remember correctly the buccaneers the super bowl champion buccaneers lost to nick Foles and the bears on thursday night and ronald jones was the winning captain for that uh for that contest so just throwing that out there rojo Brady was, forgot it was fourth down right That's yes that was a weird at the camera yeah that was a weird <laughs> and then game. he set the league on fire after that they flipped a switch. I think it was, we looked at it up like week seven on. He just like yep. went bananas. And then uh, after their bye, they averaged like 38 points all the way through the playoffs. So Brady just, just turned it on. There was another weird stat. I know we're going off track, but they were, the Buccaneers were like worse in the league in penalties like two years in a row. And then Brady shows up and they had the fourth fewest. Like it, it changed completely the entire culture of the, the game. He, uh, there's something wrong with that man, though. He sold his soul. We all know he did that. 100%. All right, let's go to wide receiver. So in showdown games, how do you approach the wide receiver position? Yeah, the wide receiver position is one that I try to try to identify as a captain play because of the fact that we know it has the widest range of outcomes. You could whiff on this wide receiver more times than not, but when it pays out, it is a sweet feeling. Like You're looking for wide receivers who have this massive outcome right like we want the guy that can go 
150 and three touchdowns. Like we want, if you played preseason this past week, uh, Marquez Callaway, we want that type of performance from the Saints in our lineup. We want to have that huge, huge ceiling where they can beat the quarterback. And if I'm playing a wide receiver in the captain spot, I want to have that quarterback. This is where the stack makes sense. So if you're playing, let's say Mike Evans in two weeks on Thursday night, put Tom Brady in your flex. That makes sense. That's how he gets there from those touchdown receptions. So if you're going to go with a captain wide receiver, that's what I'm doing. I'm also very, very willing to really look at the wide receiver two uh, in the in the captain spot. And the reason for that is that the roster percentage is going to go very heavily towards the wide receiver one. It makes sense, right? You think about it. They're getting more targets. They're the guy that can dominate the target share and really put up those big, big weeks. But again, in a one game sample, like let's look at the Jaguars, for example, because we brought this up last week. If everyone assumes it's DJ Chark week, what if it's Marv Jones week? What if it's um, LaVisca Chenault week? Like those kind of things can happen, especially in a one game sample. So I'm very willing to look at wide receiver at captain. I'm also very willing to, to go against the green a little bit and say, what if it's the wide receiver two or three this week and pair that guy with a quarterback? It should always be Marv Jones week. We, we know that by it's now. It's never not Marv learned, Jones week. Come on. If we've learned any any lesson, it's it's Marv Jones week. But with wide receivers, you know, they're getting six points when they get that touchdown. So there is a little bit of a gap. I know it's not much from the from the quarterback. And if they get that 100 yard bonus, like you can have the quarterback get 230 yards and Mike Evans gets 100 of those and you're getting bonuses. So yeah, wide receivers give you a chance to just, you know, really create some distance. And I do like that call with wide receiver too. We talked about how the correlation isn't that different in terms of a quarterback and it's wide receiver one, which is 0.55 and it's wide receiver two, which is 0.52 over the last seven years. So that's just telling me that I'm going to more often than not just say this week, my captain's going to be, you know, whoever the wide receiver two is. So if it's Godwin, uh, Antonio Brown, whoever it is, like I'm going to mostly go with whatever I see in the projections as a wide receiver too. And maybe that only hits twice during the entire year, but that's all I'm really asking for in these tournaments because so many lineups are going to look the exact same. So you need to look a little different. And let's go to these last three positions because honestly, they're not very encouraging for showdown slates. So we've talked about tight ends. You just came out with an article about how to attack the tight end position DFS, but in showdown slates, it's pretty different. So let's do tight ends and then you can just hit defense and kicker too, real quick. This is gross. This is really gross. Yeah. Over the last two years, the the optimal captain selection uh, was a tight end 3.5% of the time. So I'll take the L I'm almost never going to play a tight end in the captain unless it's a Darren Waller or Travis Kelsey, which honestly they're a wide receiver, so they don't really count. But yeah, when we're talking about like, Oh, this is the week to get different with Evan Ingram maybe, but probably not. And I don't want that type of type of sweat on a Thursday. I'd rather enjoy myself. So yeah, that's not an optimal move. doesn't mean you can't play him as a flex, but as a captain, we just know their ceiling is so limited, right? They can't hardly ever beat a quarterback, um, ever beat a, the wide receiver one. It just doesn't happen very often. So I'm not looking at the tight ends. And then in defense and kicker, like we can keep it very short and sweet. Very, 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 very rarely are they the optimal captain. And I mean, very rarely. Like you are galaxying, braining yourself into this wild scenario where it's a good play. Now, I will say, I always set rules in my lineups when I'm setting uh, a showdown slate lineup. I do not want more than two kickers or defenses from either team. And it's for that reason. Like they just don't have the ceiling to get there as the optimal optimal play. Like how often 
is four points from a kicker going to beat a wide receiver too, who only needs to catch two passes for 20 yards to equal their score, right? Like it's just so hard to reach that. So in lower scoring games, kickers and defenses are fine. They seem to be more optimal in those situations, but I'm almost never playing them as, as a captain. I was looking at those Thursday night games, like I mentioned, and for defense, it was like the dolphins were on there for week three. And then you had to go all the way to week 13 to find another defense in the winning lineup. So yeah, I'm just going to fade defense as well. And I'm going to let the field hope for those touchdowns. And you probably will like, there will be weeks where the defense, you know, scores 20 points, but you're not going to be able to predict it. So I'd rather just, like you said, take the L and then with kicker, it is fun for me. I love a good kicker and I get to root for them and play them in DFS, but more often than not, they will not be in my lineup at all. I might use them in an optimizer just to get a little different, but definitely not in the captain spot. It just, uh, doesn't work that way. So, uh, Before we get into the next part, talking about game script, I wanted to give you a little bit of data about captains and what the average salary was leading up to Thanksgiving last year. And the reason why I choose that is because Thanksgiving is its own slate on Thursday night. And then we actually had a couple of other COVID that canceled Thursday night games. So I'm just going to use the data leading up to that last year. And in the first 13 weeks of Thursday night game, the average salary for a captain was only $11,000. And we'll get to this in a second, but like Tom Brady, Dak Prescott as captains are like 15 and 16,000. Ezekiel Elliott is 14,400. Mike Evans, 13,800. So the average salary last year was actually pretty contrarian on Thursday nights. The first five captains were all running backs, like I mentioned. And here's the part that really stood out to me. The average roster percentage for a captain last year on Thursday nights was 11%. What does that tell you? Again, this comes back to embracing the variance. Who you think is the optimal play that night, I think this data is telling us is probably not always the case, right? Like we're not trying to play the guys that are 20, 25% rostered in the captain spot most weeks. So again, be willing to get different, be willing to get weird and be willing to kind of go with a game script that you think plays out in a certain way and fading the quote unquote chalk play. Like I'll give you a couple examples if you're like, okay, well, who are these people that were rostered? Uh, Colts were playing at the Titans, okay? So think of the good best players on the Colts. Think of the best players on the Titans. It was Naeem Hines that week. And I remember that was the week where we just jumped on board and I actually had a pretty good week that one. Uh, Seattle and Arizona, okay? You think of DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, no, it was Tyler Lockett. So it was the wide receiver too that you could hop on board with. Uh, The Ravens and Steelers, like it was Hollywood Brown. So there's a lot of these guys. Melvin Gordon was one one week. Curtis Samuel, you know, when the Falcons and the Panthers played, like there are guys that can win you a showdown slate and they're probably contrarian. So for the most part, I'm going to lean into the guys that are rostered, I don't know, 15 to 20% max. Like that's where I'm going to kind of set my threshold and just take my loss. If it is the quarterback, if it is the week that they do that. So do you think that's a good threshold for people to think about? I think if you're playing tournaments, it's yes, definitely the right move. You know, again, I don't play a lot of cash for this. It's just hard to get it right. So we should be telling ourselves that the general fantasy football space is way too overconfident in being able to project what is going to happen for three hours on one Thursday night. We have, a rough idea, but who knows, right? And that's what we're trying to embrace with this. So I think that's a great strategy. And again, you may lose 
four, five, six Thursday nights in a row. But when you pay off in a huge way and you win a tournament, it makes up for it right away. And then all of a sudden, your entire season of showdown is made for you. So, yeah, that's what I'm taking this year. And I'll, I'll gladly take, you know, 12 losses to make up for, for two wins. It will definitely pay off. You just need to call in sick for work on Friday. And if they ask why, just say, hey, <laughs> I had a really good Thursday night. I, watched- <laughs> I played Marquise Brown this week and everyone played Lamar. I can't come into work. <laughs> It really is going to be something like that. Like I played the backup tight end for the Texans and I had a day. <laughs> do not Please do that. Tex- anyone. Ever, ever do that. There's no way the Texans are on a Thursday night, right? Please. They're probably every Thursday night game this year. Jesus. Which is going right, to be really so fun for me to write up in the DFS pass. <laughs> that is true. If if you want to get some, some great hangs, some good bathroom reading Texans Thursday night. So, that's mentioned game scripts and how we're not very good at predicting it. However, we can't ignore it and just assume there's no rhyme or reason. So we're going to talk about pace of play and game script, looking at one game at a time. Before, we talked about the main slate and you're looking at 12, 13 games and you're having to pick, you know, and pull from a bunch of different lineups, a bunch of different teams. We're looking at one game and I write the pace of play article every single week. And just to give you just a picture, we care about how many plays can we get into the game. Like for a game to go off in the main slate, we're like, can I get 60, 70 plays in a game? I mean, that'd be, that'd be wild for every five seconds difference in terms of per play. That's 15 more plays, you know, per game. So that's what we really care about when we think about what teams are matched up. So like you could think about the Packers last year. All right. What do we know about the Packers offense last year in 2020? They were slow, man. Slow, but efficient. They were a wild group because you would have looked at their pace and said like, okay, they must like be really slow. Like, why were they slow? Because they were scoring so fast, actually. And so they would slow it down the rest of the time. So pace of play metrics are kind of misleading. You may look at them and just say they're slow, they're bad, they're fast, they're good. A lot of teams play fast like the Bengals because they're so bad and they're so, you know, inefficient. And you had teams like the Steelers that like had the most third downs in the league but it's because they were just throwing the whole time. They couldn't convert, you know, a lot of runs. So there's nuance to pace of play, but we can't ignore the lines. We use the lines from DraftKings Sportsbook. Hashtag, they are going to be a sponsor. Uh, so the lines that we get from there, I think are really helpful and give us a, a starting place. But what did you find in terms of lines per game and, and what we can look at? Yeah, I think that that is probably the most important takeaway from this section is is the line, like being able to say, okay, we know Vegas gets things right most often. So let's put maybe more of the favored team in our lineup than the underdog, especially if it's like a big spread, right? We want those guys that are projected to score more touchdowns because that's what wins in fantasy. And I want to give credit here to Cody Main, who writes for Establish the Run. He does a ton of research on uh, showdown data and i went back and i looked at his article which is on their website you can check that out he found that about 60 percent of the field used a player from the favored team as the captain position uh that's what the field did right so we're saying look all right 60 percent that's pretty good we should be doing that no 75 percent of the top one percent finishers are doing that they you need to be doing that way more often than not like that is how you win in showdown you pick the favored team identify who is it going to be this week is it the quarterback or the running back the wide receiver doesn't matter you want the favored teams 
captain. Like it, that's what I'm doing in almost every single showdown slate because that seems to be what wins, right? We don't, we say this all the time. Don't mess with Vegas. Like they get it right. And there's a reason they get it right. So uh, that is a huge take home from this. And I'm certainly going to be employing that strategy this year. That's one of those pieces of information that I need to hold on to. We have a list that we started in a, in a doc that's just like, okay, what do I need to remember? Everything we've talked about, you and I have been back on the pod since what, March, when we started talking about NFL draft props and uh, going through Trey Lance and Justin Fields season. Like that was fun. This is one of those points that I'm like, I need to remember this or I'm going to be a dummy when it comes to f- building my lineup. So what you're telling me, I- I'm ex- you're explaining this to me like I'm five. Okay. Like that's what, that's what I need here. What I'm hearing you say is I need to pick someone from the favorite as my captain because the field is not doing it enough. Exactly. That That's exactly it. They're not doing it enough. We should be doing it more. And that's going to lead to more wins. Wow. I feel inspired and I feel like I'm going to win some money. All right. We're going to get uh, so rich this year, man. Just based off that one stat. <laughs> that's 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 the one I'm going to have tattooed uh, right here. And Cody right Mayne, your, your article. Back. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Uh, So when we're looking at these lines from DraftKings and we see a total that's, you know, 50, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, like the 50 is usually the magic number that we hold on to. But if we're at like 49 or 50, should we approach that a little differently than some of these lower scoring games in terms of showdown construction? I think we absolutely should be. Um, Again, the, the research that I was looking at I wish I would have kind of changed the lines a little bit, but I was looking at like 49 plus and 40 and below. So really high scoring environments and those that we just look at and we're like, Ugh, that doesn't look too fun. In those high flying scoring environments that we love for fantasy, the average top three scores on a slate was the quarterback, which is not a surprise. He was like, he's the number one. So quarterback and then the running back one and the wide receiver one were tied. So again, that kind of gives credence to like, it's not going to be a kicker. It's not going to be defense. It's definitely not going to be a tight end unless it's Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller or George Kittle. So that's kind of what I think we should lean into when those games are high totals. But when it's low, when it's less than 40, it's a gross game. The top three scorers on the slate, the RB1 usually was more often correct than the quarterback one. And then actually third, the defense. So that is where the defense comes into play is when we don't project offenses to score a lot of points. It's low scoring. Maybe there's a couple turnovers. It's one of those sloppy games. Maybe you get a pick six, that sort of thing. So in low scoring games, I'm more willing to go with defense in my in my lineup somewhere. But in those high scoring games, like quarterback, running back, wide receiver should dominate your lineups. And if you're trying to decide between running back, wide receiver, and you are playing in tournament, just go with the lower one. You know, just just roll the dice. You want to create leverage. You want to be different than everyone else. We we don't have our projections for single games or else there would just be so much more we'd have to pour into every single week. We'll obviously have them for the main slate in terms of roster percentages, but with single games, there's some pretty safe rules. Like, you know that both quarterbacks are going to carry by far the, the highest roster percentage. So it's not super complicated from there. Um, but I would say the running back, whoever the lower running back is between the teams, like th- that's how you get a ton of leverage. But if they're on the favorite, uh, that's where you want to make sure that they're the captain. So uh, that's the main part I want to say there. And then the last thing I want to talk about is just to be willing, all right, to be willing to just embrace the weird. Like, let's get weird on a Thursday night and see what happens. So when it comes to pass catchers, we mentioned earlier the wide receiver too. Going with the other guy 
like obviously we like certain players more. Like I'm going to play DeAndre Hopkins because he's just better at football than Christian Kirk. But we've seen Christian Kirk have games where he just goes bananas and that's where you get tons of leverage on the field. So what do we think about rostering the other guy in terms of pass catchers? Yeah. That example that you just put out there was great, right? Most weeks it's going to be DeAndre Hopkins, but if there's one week, one game where it's Christian Kirk, you have massive leverage. The data over the last couple of years is showing that the wide receiver one is the captain across all the slates that I looked at about 8%. So you're looking at, yeah, it's not like it's not a bad play by any means. Like that's still a good, you know, leverage on the quarterback. But the wide receiver two is about half that at four percent. And we know, like we said, the correlation between the quarterback and the wide receiver one and the quarterback and the wide receiver two, they're pretty similar. They're pretty close. So if there's a path to that wide receiver two having a great game, you're gonna have a ton of leverage on the field. So that's a, a, a big takeaway. I used this strategy last year uh, on the Monday night football game with Mike Williams. Now, granted, this situation only played out the way it did potentially because Keenan Allen got hurt in that game and left early. But I remember Mike Williams was like 2% rostered and Keenan was like up in the 20s where you could tell yourself any scenario where Mike Williams catches two touchdowns from Justin Herbert and he's the guy and Keenan Allen is the popular play but doesn't get there. So I think, again, we should just be willing to use that as leverage on the field that sometimes the wide receiver two is going to be the correct play. Mike Williams is like the correct play like twice a year, every year, no matter what. He's the wrong. And you never play see the rest it coming. <laughs> I've I've always wanted him to be a thing, always, and he was a my guy for me one year. Don't tell people that. Hey, it was the year he caught t- ten touchdowns. Okay, so. then definitely definitely victory lap. <laughs> that's uh, that's one of my my best my guys have been uh, Mike Williams and then Mark Andrews breakout, and then I've had some other rough. Well, Curtis Samuel was okay last year, I guess. Oh, well, you seem to have a good hit rate. Who do you got this year? This year, I have George Kittle because Ooh, all right. we, I I basically need George Kittle to basically be the tight end one for me to really feel good about it. I mean, it's not that big of a deal for him to be tight end three. Right. And and you have Terry McLaurin again. I'm not, dude, I'm not wavering off of Terry, man. He performed well last year despite bad quarterback play. Uh, he was hurt with two high ankle sprains. Now he gets the bearded wonder coming in to sling it all across the field. Terry's going to smash this year. Fitzpatrick scares me. He's terrifies me. The guy's going to play seven games. Even it's in the range of outcomes. Better than, that's probably better than what he got last year with uh, the quarterback play from Haskins and Kyle Allen. That's probably true. So we talked about being willing to go with the other guy. Another thing we need to be willing is changing our opinion as injury reports out. I won't say anything because this isn't my area of expertise. So what do you mean by that injuries and injury reports? Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to have information come through as the week goes on for a main slate. Like, okay, we saw this guy didn't practice on Wednesday. Oh, he's back on on Thursday. We're good. Like you can kind of adapt very quickly to what's happening. Whereas on showdown, like because it's on a Thursday, these guys had just played on a Sunday. It's like, Monday reports are not a real thing. Like they don't actually practice. The teams just do walkthroughs. So they project what a player would potentially do if they were going to practice. So they have no idea. They just list something because the NFL makes them. 
Then on Tuesday, they have their quote unquote full practice. And really, it's just like walkthrough and drills. Like they're not actually having a full practice as they would for a Sunday because the week is so short. And then Wednesday, it's like nothing. So we generally had, don't have a great idea as to how healthy these guys are going into Thursday night until Thursday afternoon. And if you are putting in the work to kind of understand, oh, this guy is going to be on a snap count or, or that guy maybe is less than 100%. He just had a hamstring injury on Sunday. You're going to be able to create leverage on the field who is kind of sleeping and just playing the guys that they know because that's who won last week. Like, I think this is where injury is really important, again, because you're looking for any opportunity. You're looking for a situation where, okay, man, Keenan Allen, he might not play on that Thursday night. I know he told us to start him in the fantasy playoffs when he yelled at the Gosh. TV and just ruined Mike's life and my life. Um but you need to know those things, right? Like that opened up a huge opportunity for other pass catchers for the Chargers. So I think we need to be willing to adapt all the way up until lock uh, until we get information. I loved that rant of you attacking the bureaucratic system of they got to put out this reports, but it's just a fake walkthrough. And it's just a bi- I love that. I love seeing that side of you just like, I'm going to get pissed a little bit of just <laughs> this is what they have to do. You know why? Because it bothers me so much because people will say, hey, Bets, I saw so-and-so was limited on Tuesday. I'm like, that's not, don't worry about that. Like, <laughs> And I have to answer all those questions all year. <laughs> yeah, Bets, can you tell me every single person how their body's exactly feeling and exactly what I should do for my lineup for every single <laughs> That's what I'm here for. That is, that is a wild thing. Like, No one's asking me injury questions, which is awesome. Like, I don't want those. Uh, but we At do Colin have to change. Please don't. <laughs> Uh, so we got to be willing to change our opinion. We also got to be willing for this to leave money on the table. We were very clear. Don't do that on the main slate, you know, stay within $500 of the $50,000 max, but leaving money on the table helps you get different. And, you know, with a pretty small player pool, you got to do that. So make sure you leave some salary on the table and let's go with this final one. Be willing to vary your roster construction. I'll let you take that one. Yeah, what I mean by that is basically just, you know, how many players from each team are you going to play? The field does this at a massive amount when they just do three and three because they kind of want to have some equal exposure to both offenses, right? I'll take the quarterback from each team and two pass catchers and there we go. But like that doesn't always work. Like what if what if the Bucks just absolutely dominate the Cowboys in two weeks? And you wanted to have five bucks in your lineup and just one cowboy. Like that is a way to get different on the field. So again, be willing to go with a four-two build, a five-one build. Um, three and three is fine. Just know it's going to be popular. And just because of that, you're going to be putting yourself in a position where you're more likely to play a lot of the same players other people are playing. So go with fours and twos when it makes sense. And then when there's a huge favorite, don't be afraid to go five and one. Let's put some of this into practice, and we're going to talk about that Dallas and Tampa Bay game on the first Thursday night. Thursday night breakdown. Oh, I know that drop quite well. Every single Wednesday on the Fantasy Footballers main show, you get to hear that drop where we preview the Thursday night game. And for us as a DFS show, we're going to do that right now. We're going to walk through this and then. As we get closer to game time, you and I are going to have a whole episode on this game. Like, that's what we're going to talk about. So I'm excited to do that. But we are talking about Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So hit me with the DraftKings Sportsbook line. Yes, uh, I just looked right before I started recording. It was Tampa Bay favored by seven and a half points. The over under is currently at 50 on the dot. Okay, so 
we obviously like that total. We know these two teams pretty well. The narrative for Dak and company is that the first, you know, five weeks, they were on a crazy pace. And I feel like a lot of my job this year has been extrapolating Dak stats to those players from those four games. But uh, looking at these two rosters, we know there's offense. There's just a lot of receivers. Like that's what makes this game a bit complicated because there are legitimately six wide receivers that I like that I think could actually work in this game. And any of them can go off. Like that's, what's pretty crazy about it. We love the quarterbacks. Uh, We know Zeke is going to get, you know, some high volume touches. Not really sure on Tampa Bay side. So interesting game because of so many receivers at play. So how are you attacking this in terms of just the overall game script and how this game's going to play out? Yeah, like you said, we look at two high-flying offenses that could certainly have a shootout. And like you just said, there's a ton of wide receivers that we love. Like, I could easily see a path for Amari Cooper or CeeDee Lamb or Michael Gallup. And oh, by the way, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. Like, any of those dudes could go absolutely bananas in this game. And we just talked about the fact that quarterbacks are going to be extremely popular in the captain's spot. This game, to me, says... We should be playing probably a wide receiver. And if you're playing multiple lineups, just vary who it is in the captain spot. So that's where I'm kind of looking initially. And again, because we just talked about the fact that the Vegas favorite typically is correct in terms of the captain, I'm probably going to have a lot of exposure to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown as my captains. I'm the captain now. That's what I keep hearing when, we, uh, when we're when we going back and forth about captains. So, <laughs> so we like the favorite, Vegas DraftKings Sportsbook line, they they tell us that. So if you were going to go with somebody from Tampa Bay and it's not Tom Brady, who do you like? Yeah, for me, I like the the opportunity that Mike Evans presents, right? Like he is a guy who we've just seen have paths to two plus touchdowns. Last year, it was kind of weird. They like used him as like the goal line back. Like he was throwing, they were throwing one yard touchdowns to Mike Evans all the time. So I am intrigued by that potentially. Um, and we also know that like when you look across the wide receivers, so the salaries for uh, the captain spot, again, one and a half times, Mike Evans is at 13.8, Chris Godwin is 12.9, Amari Cooper 12.6, and CeeDee Lamb 12.3, and then Antonio Brown way down there at 8.4. Like Most people are going to say, okay, how can I save some salary here and get a cheaper wide receiver as the captain so that I can pay up for both Dak and Tom Brady, and they're going to look down and they're going to say, look at CeeDee Lamb, 12.3. I've just watched Hard Knocks. This dude's amazing. He's going in like the second round on underdog right now. Like he, the hype is out of control. He is going to be popular. And for the same reason, potentially Antonio Brown could be because he's so cheap. So I like Mike Evans as a little bit of a contrarian play. And again, we've just seen him be able to put up touchdowns left and right every year. So if that's how it's going to work in showdown, you know, we only need him to score one, two touchdowns to be the optimal captain. I feel like CeeDee Lamb is going to carry an insane roster percentage but based on hype alone. Like this first game, this first Thursday night game brings in a lot of casual people or people that are just playing for the first time. And I love that. Like this is great exposure. But, you know, no matter what fantasy site it is, you know, he was a my guy for us for the ballers. Like CeeDee Lamb is a popular dude right now in fantasy circles. So I feel like of these wide receivers, he might be the most popular and it's not a bad play. It's just kind of where it's at. So I like the Mike Evans. He's kind of in that baby bear zone where it's like not too hot, not too cold. Like, okay, a lot of people are going to overlook him. They see him as the wide receiver one on this slate salary wise. And I think they'll want to pass by him. So 
I do like that call with Mike Evans. So if you did Mike Evans as your captain, you maybe want to put Tom Brady, like you mentioned. And then how else would you construct your, your roster from there? Yeah, we're going to want to bring it back, right? Because we're, we're saying that Mike Evans gets there off of a huge performance from he and Tom Brady. And so if that's the case, we're hoping that they get pushed to throw a lot to Mike Evans because Dak's having a decent game. So in that lineup, I'd probably include Tom Brady. I'd include Dak if possible, salary-wise. And then I'd probably be looking to say, okay, if they're pushing each other back and forth, I'm probably going to want at least another pass catcher from Dallas in that lineup. Maybe it's not one of the studs. Maybe it's kind of an ancillary piece like a Michael Gallup or something like that. But yeah, I think that's certainly something that looks really intriguing on paper, at least. Yeah, you got to probably double stack. And there's a lot cheaper options as you go way down there. Geo is all the way down at 2000, which it's not crazy to think him catching four or five passes. Maybe he gets one of those in the end zone. That's a one that I like way down there. It's kind of ambiguous. My question is about Dak and his injury and how people will respond to that. Like right now, what do you think the public perception is about Dak and just how he's doing? And do we have any information? I know we're recording this on Thursday, but any information about Dak and what you think for week one? Yeah, I think that he is progressing as expected. They've done, I think, a pretty good job, honestly, of like managing this while not not babying it, but doing the right thing for him. So with a muscle strain, like you have to allow, especially for a throwing athlete, the injury to heal. If you try to go through it, you're just going to be stuck in a rut for a while and it won't heal. So they're doing the right thing about it. And I think that because we're seeing those updates on hard knocks and we're seeing like reports come out of like, oh, he's throwing now on back-to-back days and all those sort of things that I think that maybe in a normal season, we would get a little bit of an injury discount on Dak, but I feel like people are going to be so hyped to see him on Thursday Night Football, remembering what he did in the first month of the season last year, that I think he's still going to be popular, and I think he'll be fine. I think he'll perform well. So that's kind of where I'm at. It, just for reference on underdog, like he still goes in the sixth round a lot, so people are not sleeping on the Cowboys or Dak at all. I'm going to give you two builds that I've done using our optimizer, and you can kind of pick it apart, but I just looked at the slate and through what we talked about, basically said, okay, quarterbacks are clearly going to be the most popular captains. If I was going for the favorite in this game, which is Tampa Bay, and I was saying, how could I get different? How could this game script get different? Then you want to go in the running game. So whether that's Leonard Fournette, or Ronald Jones, and I know Ronald Jones is still a joke, but last year, like there were moments where this guy was the dude. And so if you put him in the captain spot, the salary is only 7,500 and you can have a pretty good roster construction. So uh, I think that's something to think about. Like you could actually fit in both quarterbacks, not saying you have to do that, but if you have Rojo, you could go Rojo Brady and then Antonio Brown, and then you could actually get Dak CD lamb and Gallup. So there's actually a chance for you uh, to basically double stack and get all that, get all the goodness in there. And you know, Ronald Jones is going to come in way cheaper. So Rojo, when, when they win, like Rojo definitely gets the attempts we want. And you have this stat in here, all of his touchdowns came in Tampa Bay wins. So if you project Tampa Bay to win, Rojo has a better shot than normal to basically be the captain. So any thoughts on that other than barfing all over the fact Rojo is our captain? (laughs) That's the first thing that comes to mind. But no, you're right. The splits in their wins and losses last year was pretty obvious in terms of those are the Rojo game scripts we want. And they're a touchdown favorite. So I think it makes all the sense in the world. What's crazy when I look back at Tampa Bay, I found this stat. They only had one win 
against teams that made the playoffs. Okay. One win last year. The Jets had two wins against playoff teams. What's up with that? So Jets greater sign Bucks. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that there was a point. Yeah. Well, remember the Jets were like obviously going for the first pick and then somehow they totally screwed up it by beating the Rams and the Browns. How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, that that was unreal when the Browns lost. I could not believe it. But that was also like that was the week that they had everyone out with COVID, right? Yes. Yeah, they yeah, was, I mean they tried to run the ball like every single play. They had no wider so let, me, let me give one more build. This one's I don't know if I like it because the Tampa Bay run defense, but if we're just ignoring matchup and we're just playing a game here, what do you think about Zeke in the captain spot? Because I feel like he's not going to come in as high, but maybe he will. Maybe casual people just say, I, I know Zeke. He's the best running back here. He's the third highest priced guy. So if you went with Zeke as your captain and decided to get a bit different, uh, what do you think about that? I don't love it at initial glance, which probably means that it's a decent play, right? Like we, <laughs> we talk about this all the time. Um, that we just don't know in showdown. Like you want to get a little bit different. So I don't mind it at all. I mean, certainly we've seen pass for Zeke to go over the hundred yard rushing bonus. Um, he can fall in the end zone twice, and he was utilized heavily out of the backfield catching passes last year when Dak was under center. We we know he's a good receiving back. So there's also a pass for him in full PPR to pad the stat line a little bit too. So I certainly think it's viable. Um, I probably will have in order, like it'll probably be the Bucks guys at wide receiver for me as the top guys, then like a couple of the wide receivers as my exposure at Crapton for Dallas, and then like Zeke and Rojo probably at the bottom. So that's where I'm leaning. I'll have a little bit of that, but I think it's probably my least preferred play. And last question I'll ask, you know, a lot of people want to get really weird in these and they roster backup players like, you know, Tony Pollard or Scotty Miller Tyler Johnson, what kind of advice would you give people who are just saying, I'm guessing that this is the week that injury happens to Zeke and Tony Pollard jumps in? Good luck. <laughs> I have nothing else to add. I mean, it's just, you don't, it's so hard to predict. Um, and, and maybe it works like once every six years that it actually happens, like that you do it on the right night, you know, but that's not something I will do. Uh, again, if those kind of weird things happen, um, I'll take the L if it's cheap enough. There are players that you can fit in that like, maybe they fall into the end zone. As long as you're creating leverage on other players at that position. Like I know Malcolm Brown has had like a bunch of goal line touchdowns, you know, the last couple of years. It's like, okay, well yes, that took away from Daryl Henderson or whatnot, but it really is just not something you can predict. It's super fun when you find that player. That's like the tight end that catches the touchdown. That's really fun. Those are the players that you can root for, and they're probably out of the league the next year. But uh, yeah, for the most part, you can use our optimizer. An optimizer tells you what is the most projected points, but in single games, you have to think about it differently. You really have to construct your lineup in a very, very different way because it's going to give you the same players. Like if you do use an optimizer in this game, it's going to give you Dak or Tom Brady like almost in every single lineup together because they want to try to fit it in. So make sure you just think about this differently. Hopefully this is helpful. We'll have this out in article form too within the next week. And uh, you and I have some more fun shows coming up. We're going to be talking about DraftKings Sportsbooks lines for week one next week. And uh, I'm just excited. DraftKings is going to be our title sponsor for the show. 
We also have some fun things coming up for the listeners and a listener league. So any parting words for the lovely folks? I hope you guys are playing some showdown with me this weekend, man, in DFS for the preseason. Don't judge me, all right? Let's have a great season. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.